If you're suffering from a serious health challenge or just want to protect your good health, I want to tell you about Metatrol Fermented Wheat Germ Extract from American Biosciences. Imagine every cell in your body working at peak performance, achieving enhanced energy, quality of life, and optimal immune system performance. More than 50 research articles in peer-reviewed medical journals describe fermented wheat germ extracts remarkable health benefits in a wide range of serious health challenges. Metatrol is the most potent fermented wheat germ extract ever produced, and it's it's the only one that's gluten-free. Just two Metatrol capsules daily supports your immune system, cellular health, and energy production. Rescue your mitochondrial function and optimize your energy with Metatrol fermented wheat germ extract. For more information and to order, go to theharmonycompany.com. That's theharmonycompany.com or call 800-422-5518. 800-422-5518. Use coupon code HOFFMAN20 at checkout and get a 20% first-time discount and free shipping. That's theharmonycompany.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This week, we turn the tables and Alex Lubarski interviews me for his SCHO Oracle's Permanent Resolution of Chronic Symptoms Think Tank. We discuss healthy aging, senolytics, both natural and pharmaceutical, for anti-aging, and what's wrong with the current medical paradigm and how to transform our healthcare system. So enjoy. I'm thrilled to have you here. We have an important conversation to have, and I brought my lovely uh, partners here to help uh, explore the different ideas. Basically, what we're looking to do is figure out how do we optimize people in such a way that we can expand human lifespan, condense the diseases of aging, but ultimately create structures for optimal function so we can look and feel great like Dr. Hoffman uh, in his uh, embodiment of longevity and fitness and uh, youthfulness. So let me just introduce you to uh, who is here today. We have uh, Brittany Durst, who is a family nurse practitioner. She's one of our uh, science of human optimization practitioners. She works on the direction and training of some of the top functional medicine doctors. And, uh, you know, those people who specialize in uh, longevity, optimal function, getting to the root cause of chronic illness. Uh, we also have uh, Dr. Danielle Roberts, who is a doctor of osteopathy. She has a master's in clinical nutrition. She practiced family uh, medicine. She was a hospitalist, uh, earned numerous certifications in chelation, IV therapies, Reiki, personal training, group fitness, and she has a true passion for this concept of human optimization and longevity. We also have uh, Dr. Dr. Ronald Hoffman, who is recognized as one of America's foremost complementary medicine practitioners. He's the founder and medical director of the Hoffman Center in New York City author of numerous books and articles for the public and for the healthcare professionals. He's a host of a very popular national syndicated radio program called Intelligent Medicine. Uh, our topic is the show oracles, permanent resolution of chronic symptoms, think, think tank. So our goal here is to kind of figure out and refocus the, um, the purpose of medicine from the indefinite, indefinite disease management model to one of uh, using all the science, technology, genetics, blood, digestive uh, biome, all of these things to optimize the body in such a way so that it functions optimally without falling into these pits of chronic illness that um, 
have become very popular for a lot of people. So welcome, everybody. Nice to see you. So, uh, Dr. Hoffman, I, I appreciate you being here with us. I, I uh, The first time I saw you was at a hotel in um, on Long Island in, uh, I think it was uh, Uniondale. There was probably 500 people in the room. This was before the internet. The people had to get their their information the old-fashioned way. And um, I, I think you really opened my eyes to the possibility of functional medicine. This was probably, I want to say, a good 20 years ago. And um, I've become a passionate promoter of these ideas for, for since then. So I appreciate uh, all of the great work you've been doing and all the information you shared so generously and passionately. And so um, how do we keep people living longer and um, avoiding chronic illness into their 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond? When it comes to, you know, it's such a broad question. I mean, really, we have to look at all aspects of health. And, you know, we can start with the fundamentals. You know, my, my orientation is intelligent medicine. I don't uh, want to deny the, the benefits of, of high-tech medicine and extending life. I mean, there are some remarkable advances in oncology, in cardiovascular medicine, uh, in infectious disease. Uh, and, you know, we're really looking at uh, uh, new ways that we can harness uh, immunotherapy, molecular biology uh, to solve a lot of problems. Uh, but unfortunately, I think medicine is obviously too weighted towards uh, high-tech solutions uh, that are expensive, that come with side effects, uh, and that uh, don't uh, deal with root causes. I think root causes is a very, very important term in the integrative medicine that we all espouse, is searching for root causes uh, and attempting to forestall disease and even reverse disease by finding out you know, what are the driving mechanisms behind the things that curtail our lives. So number one, uh, disease alleviation. Number two, uh, there is the very process of aging itself. And there are, uh, there's a lot of information now about what constitutes aging, what are some of the in interventions that are going to make a difference in terms of extending life. Uh, I, I don't think that there are infinite possibilities. I'm not sure that we can get people to live for you know, 200 years uh, through uh, uh, senolytics and through uh, vitamins, supplements, uh, exercise, superb diet. I think there's sort of a, a limitation to human longevity, but I think we can uh, extend uh, life. We can also extend uh, healthy life. Uh, that's, uh, you know, quality of life is really important because we, we do uh, tend to extend life in modern cultures, but, but we're medicalizing a lot of problems. People are reliant on life support. So really in essence, I mean, in short, I think that's what our goals are. Wonderful. So, uh, Brittany, Danielle, if you have questions for Dr. Uh, Hoffman, please, uh, anytime you want to ask him, be my guest. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, uh, Dr. Hoffman, I mean, you you are, um, you know, you're not only uh, a passionate promoter of functional medicine, and you've been since the days you work with uh, Dr. Atkins, who is a true, uh, you know, pioneer, and I think in a lot of this uh, philosophy, uh, but you're also the embodiment of it. I mean, uh, you told me your birthday uh, year, but uh, I don't know if, if you don't, if you mind sharing it with people. I mean, you look like you're 47, but. <laughs> well, 
it's, you know, some of the things that I do, you know, I, I'm a big believer in exercise. I think exercise is one of the fundamental ways in which we can uh, support our health. So uh, you know, lately I've actually looked at some studies that suggest that there's what's called a J-shaped curve for exercise. So at the age of 70, uh, I'm sort of adapting my exercise patterns. Uh, I'm a triathlete. I, I used to do really long distance events, which require lots and lots of uh, high volume training. And I think that uh, as one, especially as one ages, I think one has to uh, adapt because there's potential for musculoskeletal injury. There's also even a, a tendency in a latest study actually pointed this out that you can have increased coronary calcification as a result of very high end lifelong exertion. So I, I think what we need is a, is a balance and you know, not everyone is cut out to, to, you know, for high level athletic endeavors. I think we really need to concentrate on movement, mobility, balance, especially as people age. So I think that's an ingredient. I think diet is a very, very important component. But I also think that uh, sometimes people take it to an extreme. You know, they want to be on, you know, the ultra keto diet or the, uh, the lectin-free Gundry diet where you don't eat any fruits and vegetables and you're entirely a carnivore. Uh, you know, I think that you, you really need to seek balance in terms of those things. And I, I, my, my science favorite project for a variety of supplements that I take, uh, you know, I may take 20 or 25 different supplements a couple of times a day. And, you know, these are science-based applications that are designed to address inflammation, uh, that uh, tend to preserve bone density, that help with cardiovascular and they also help with immunity because I was noticing that uh, prior to COVID, I was getting too many colds and I kind of upped my intake of things like uh, you know, mushroom extracts, cordyceps, and nutrients that, that supported resistance to infection. So, you know, I, I think it's a multi-part program. I also think that get adequate sleep. That's very important. You know, a lot of people say, oh my goodness, you must sleep like, uh, you know, three hours a day, you get a lot of things done. Uh, Getting a lot of sleep is actually key to my productivity. So I allocate plenty of time to that. I'm, I'm not a party animal by any means. Very good. Um, Brittany works with uh, some of the clients that we took on and her job is to kind of develop a lifelong relationship with these people, identify any deficiency, toxicity, any digestive malfunctions on a regular basis so that we can uh, extend their lifespan. Brittany, any particular questions that you might want to ask? Dr. Hoffman? Yeah, Dr. Hoffman. Yes, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, so Dr. Hoffman, when it comes to just lab testing, when you're looking at your patient specifically, like for inflammation, what what labs do you like to focus on the most? And, and that's a great question. I think when I started out in integrative medicine, uh, I was infatuated with uh, tests. And, you know, we have a, a wide array of tests that we can perform. We can perform tests for toxins. We can evaluate every single vitamin nutrient known to man. Uh, we can look at uh, panels of uh, food allergies. And then we can look at various functional tests that give us a lot of information. We can even do genetic testing. Uh, however, uh, lately, uh, I have cut back on the amount of testing that I do. Number one, uh, it's more economical for patients. Mm -hmm. And number two, uh, sometimes you can see the forest for the trees. It's, it's, you know, TMI, too much information, uh, literally too much information to 
for the human mind to digest. You know, maybe with the uh, aid of machine learning, artificial intelligence, we might be able to put together all these disparate pieces of information, come up with a composite picture. Uh, but what I rely on more is, uh, you know, simple tests. You know, I think that important tests include uh, testing, I mean, aside from the regular panel of tests that we normally do, uh, I really like to do, look at inflammation. These days for cardiovascular risk, I like to look at uh, highly sensitive C-reactive protein, LP little a, and something called apolipoprotein B, which actually these are uh, better in some ways than simply looking at cholesterol and LDL, and even LDL particle size for prediction of cardiovascular risk. And then I'm actually a big fan of uh, coronary uh, imaging. So we like to do coronary calcium testing. Uh, lately, we've recognized there's some limitations to that because some people who have a lot of calcium don't have high risk for heart disease. And some people, especially younger people, uh, may not have that much calcium, but they may have a lot of soft plaques. So newer ways of imaging like MRA, uh, which is, uh, or, or uh, CTA, can reveal problems with flow that are not, uh, and also qualitate the plaques, whether it's uh, more benign calcified plaque or whether it's a soft, friable uh, plaque that can break off and cause blood clots. Mm -hmm. So these are among the things that you do. I, I like bone density. I think bone density is a limited test because we really like to not look at just simply bone density. We'd like to look at uh, the, uh, the strength of bone. And I think newer tests are coming on stream to tell us a little bit about bone structure, not just whether you have dense bone. So these are among the things that I, that I like to do these days. I think looking at essential fatty acids is really important because we can highlight whether patients have adequate amounts of omega-3. That's really important. Maybe they have too much in the way of omega-6, which is pro-inflammatory general. Uh, vitamin D is very important. I routinely test for that uh, in certain patients who really have nutritional compromise who might look at you know, some other vitamins. Certainly iron is important, but ferritin is a more uh, sensitive tests, as you all well know. Uh, so these are among the things that, that we'd like to, to look at in an initial screen. Can I ask you too, when you're looking at your patient's hormone panel, do you, how routinely do you check that with your patients as they're going through different, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on? That's a, that's a really good question because hormones are very important. And I'm a big fan of hormone replacement therapy. Uh, for both men and women, but not just routinely. Not, you know, not every woman who goes through menopause needs to be on hormones. Uh, some women just do fine and they don't require the hormones. Uh, men uh, will sometimes have what is seemingly low testosterone, but they're fine, so we might leave them alone. Uh, when it comes to thyroid, uh, similar situation. It, blood levels don't always tell the entire story. So some patients who seemingly have what conventional endocrinologists would term normal thyroid, uh, I would undertake a trial of natural thyroid replacement and patients, I've had patients who, who've been on this replacement for decades and they're doing fine. And you know they're thanking me from the bottom of their hearts to go that extra step to, to give it a try, even when conventional endocrinologists said you're fine. On the other hand, there's some patients who have an elevated TSH, which would indicate they need thyroid medication, but they're fine. I, I'd let them be if they're subjectively okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think hormone testing is important, but I think you have to have an understanding that what's really important is 
how the patient's feeling, how the patient's doing, and not to rely slavishly to test on test results. Sure. And you do you really look at when you're looking at hormones? I mean, you're looking at obvious things like the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, but you're looking at the thyroid and then also like adrenal function and how all of that kind of looks together. And then you said symptomology too with the patient, how they're feeling. Yes. Uh, you know, interest you mentioned the adrenals. I think the adrenals are very important. The adrenals make uh, certainly a DHGA, which is very useful tool for both men and women as they age, uh, can be really helpful for fending off sarcopenia, which is that inevitable loss of lean body mass that leads to frailty. Uh, it's anabolic and it's, it's generally very safe for both men and women. It's available over the counter, uh, but it should be judiciously prescribed. Not everyone needs it and some people shouldn't be on it. Uh, there's also uh, cortisol, which we can measure with a saliva cortisol test, which is a nice teachable moment for patients because it can point out if they're subject to high levels of stress and that they might need to do something about it. Or, you know, maybe they've got a sleep problem and their cortisol spikes right before bedtime. So they uh, might undertake measures to reduce cortisol. It's not that easy because uh, it's easier to supplement something than to lower something that's excessive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't pull the drain plug on cortisol. Uh, you have to undertake lifestyle measures often to reduce cortisol. There's certain supplements and herbs that can uh, somewhat control uh, cortisol. These adaptogens uh, like uh, rhodiola, for example, can help with cortisol. Uh, so yes, I mean, I think adrenal function is, is very important. It's very ignored because in conventional medicine, we were taught that, you know, there's two basic problems you can have. You can have uh, too much, or you can have too little. You can have Addison's disease, or you can have Cushing's disease, but intermediate status of adrenals, you don't pay much attention to. So it's, it's not just whether you have a disease, it's whether you have optimal adrenal function. Mm -hmm. Right. Thank you. Um, everyone who's here with us, uh, Cliff, Garrett, Janice, Mary, Miriam, uh, everyone who's listening to us on the other channels. Uh, if you have questions or you'd like to participate in the conversation, please feel free to do that um, and just uh, drop them in the question uh, slot here or the chat. Either one is fine. Um, Dr. Roberts has been working with us and um, she's helping us identify different products and supplements that help optimize the human experience. One of those we just recently started working with is uh, liposomal glutathione. Uh, I wanted to see if um, there are other supplements that you feel are crucially important in addressing deficiency, toxicity, uh, help encourage detoxification, optimize the uh, digestion and like that. Well, th there's a whole raft of them. In fact, I just wrote an article for my newsletter. I was, it was going to be the 10 top uh, supplements that Americans are deficient in, or the 10 top, the 10 nutrients that Americans are deficient in. And then I got to writing and I got up to 18 and they're probably, you know, 25. I just ran out of, I ran out of time to prepare the articles and it's going to be a serialized two-part series in my newsletter at drhoffman.com. Uh, and so there are a whole lot of things that Americans aren't getting enough of. And, you know, they're the obvious ones like B12, especially in older people or people on acid blockers. Uh, there's zinc. There's iron, especially in young women uh, or vegetarians. 
Uh, there's vitamin D where it, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic of vitamin deficiency. Uh, then there's sort of obscure things like lutein, lutein, which is helpful for the eyes, which also helps for the brain and also helpful uh, versus uh, prostate cancer, along with lycopene. Uh, and, you know, has many, many health benefits and a very high percentage of Americans are getting minuscule amounts of lutein from green leafy vegetables. And, you know, they think they're doing themselves a favor by not eating eggs because eggs are full of cholesterol or they're not getting their, their lutein and zeaxanthin for their retinas. Uh, among the things that I'm kind of excited about these days are things that support the mitochondria. You mentioned glutathione and that is very important. Uh, I also like uh, NAD supplements. The one that I prefer is nicotinamide riboside, which I think is very helpful for energy. Of course, there's coenzyme Q10 and all the cofactors that go into the mitochondria. And then there's something called NT factor, which is, full disclosure, they're a sponsor of mine. But I, I really believe that they have demonstrated that by using uh, these phospholipids, you can actually help to regenerate the function of cell membranes. Uh, cell membranes and mitochondrial membranes are crucial for optimal functioning, for energy production, uh, and NT factor is, is a plausible nutrient for supporting that. So it really, and by the way, these are among the many things that I take. Uh, you have to, just a caution, you have to be careful with iron. Not everybody needs iron. I remember that you know, all the game shows when I was a kid used to be sponsored by Geritol, and that was an iron tonic. And it helped a lot of people, but it also put a lot of people into iron overload because they thought, oh my goodness, this is the magic elixir panacea kind of thing that's going to make me feel better. So you have to target these uh, interventions. Awesome. Dr. Roberts, any questions, clarifications you would like? Yes, please. Um, so Dr. Hoffman, a lot of the supplements that you mentioned I notice are kind of building blocks and it gives the body what it needs to be able to make things like glutathione or reparative proteins, stem cells, things like that. Now I know that we now with modern medicine have the ability to actually directly supplement, let's say like somal glutathione or stem cells directly, but I'm always curious and I'm always hesitant. Do you have an opinion on whether if we do that, if that provides like a negative feedback mechanism to the body to not produce more glutathione on its own or more stem cells on its own versus, you know, using exercise and certain building blocks to get it to create those substances on their own. Yeah, I, I think that that's a point well taken. I, you know, as to uh, stem cells, you know, I think there's a couple of questions embedded in your in what you just asked. Uh, as to stem cells, you know, I'm not a big fan of injecting stem cells into people uh, because I don't think the studies bear out their efficacy. And in fact, I mean, I'm just reading about kind of a horror story. Somebody went down to Mexico to get stem cells for the multiple sclerosis and they were injected in her spine and she developed some dread, uh, very challenging fungal infection in her, uh, in her uh, central nervous system, uh, like a form of meningitis. And so these things are not really ready for prime time. Uh, I think, you know, maybe it's okay to inject stem cells into a joint to help to regenerate the joint. As, but you bring up an interesting point is that what if you supplement your body with tons of antioxidants like glutathione? There's actually some speculation that you can go overboard because uh, the body is, is very interesting because for example, when you work out, when you exercise, 
you actually create stress and inflammation and you generate free radicals. And part of the body's uh, repair system and also uh, what doesn't kill you make you stronger principle is that in the absence of excessive free radical shielding, uh, you may get better uh, muscle repair and bodily regeneration. So I, I think that this is kind of a, a, a controversy with the nutrition. Is it really uh, good to load up on tons of antioxidants, uh, especially if you have a challenging health problem or if you're an athlete, like a, you know, a Tour de France bicyclist, they generate a lot of free radicals, but part of their uh, conditioning and the anabolic buildup in the wake of exercise may be due to the body's response to uh, free radical challenge and inflammation. So it's a, I think you bring up an important issue that I don't think has been fully resolved. And a lot of things in nutrition remain controversies. You know, we talk about settled science. This is settled science. Uh, there, there's very little that is absolutely settled science in the field of nutrition. So a lot of controversy. Um, one of our guests has a question, Garrett. Uh, how about synolytics? Many new studies on this long COVID cancer and longevity. And also the body immune system does not, the, does need some ROS. Well, depends on uh, which analytics are you talking about. Are you talking about supplement analytics or are you talking about uh, medical analytics? Uh, things like uh, rapamycin, you know, which is thought to be an anti-aging drug. Rapamycin? I don't think I've heard of this one. Um, what was it, metformin? Is the, the one I've well, read? Yeah, well, there's, there's metformin, but, you know, metformin is actually a diabetes medication. It's being explored now as an anti-aging drug. Uh, rapamycin is actually an immunosuppressive drug that's used on transplant patients, but used at low doses, uh, it's actually been shown to uh, address the mTOR pathway, which is a pathway of aging. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, really uh, kind of wonky uh, self-hackers who are taking rapamycin in an effort uh, You know, I personally, uh, there are patients of mine who take rapamycin. Uh, it is a medication, but it's actually a senolytic medication. When it, when it comes to, to supplements, uh, there's actually some evidence that uh, things like quercetin may have a senolytic effect. But rather than being things attack the very process of aging, um, I think that there's a lot of things that may have a beneficial effect on the aging process. Things like fish oil, things like mitochondrial support, things like coenzyme Q10 uh, and NAD. Uh, these are the sort of natural analytics that we look to. Uh, I think I, I want to make a distinction that, you know, there's a certain aspect of healthcare that focuses on emergency medicine or, you know, uh, drug medicine or any of these kind of interventions. I, I think I'm less interested in that kind of stuff. I want to know how do we naturally provide the body everything it needs through nutrition, through supplementation, I mean, you, you may need to do some detoxification things if you have heavy metals, um, chelation and such, 
uh, optimizing the digestive. You, you, I don't know if uh, I read in, um, I think it was Dr. Gundry's book actually about the, this acromensia bug in the mm -hmm. digestive system that's popular among people over 100. So like, why don't we just replicate uh, the things that people do, even yourself? I mean, at 70, you're fit, you're, you're working, you're busy, you're enjoying life, you're traveling, um, and you, you didn't retire at 65. So um, I, I think, I, I, think uh, I, I like that mindset where, you know, we've been taught that you work 40 years, nine to five, and then you retire. I have no interest in retiring whatsoever. I feel like I'm just getting started. So uh, I want in to be friends. You get to retire at sixty-two. They've actually rioted in the streets because they wanted to raise the retirement age to sixty-four. Socialists, what are you going to do? <clears throat> um, but I, I just want to make sure that whatever years I happen to be on this planet, that I'm, I have the energy, the, uh, uh, the vitality to do the things that I want to do with myself. I, I don't want to live for uh, six months or a year if I'm somehow incapacitated. So. Uh, and I think it's possible. I think it's very possible because uh, most of our aging process has been left just to kind of fade. You know, uh, whatever God gives me, that's what I'm going <clears> to <throat> live on this planet. But I, I think if we're if we're smart about it, just like with our finances, <clears throat> if we have uh, uh, people that specialize in in investments and we can trust, then we can accumulate more money as we get older. I think the same thing with our lifespan. We can accumulate more life energy as we get older, so we get more um, life out of those crowning years, as I call it, so. Well, clearly, I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal of functional medicine and integrative medicine. Over the years, what would you say was your most impressive uh, transformation of a client that came into you after trying everything else? And, um, uh, they found their way to you and functional medicine. I actually had a, lot, a, a few people reach out to me and tell me that you were like the first person that actually uh, helped diagnose them with something that nobody else could, help them recover from something nobody else could. Was there a, a case that kind of stands out in your mind like that? And that's a great question. And, and thank you, uh, Alex. Uh, one case uh, really sticks out in my imagination, in my in my memory. Uh, because there, there are a lot of patients, you know, who, for example, like, you know, I'll see patients sometimes you know, 10, 20 years after they first came to see me, sometimes 30 years after they came to see me. And they'll say, oh, you know, you changed my life back in whatever, 1989, by telling me that whatever, I should stop eating gluten or that I had candida or that I should start taking vitamin D or thyroid medication. And, you know, I think those are sort of everyday uh, miracles in integrative medicine. And those of you who are practitioners in integrative medicine who are listening on the panel, uh, you know that this is kind of something our, that's our bread and butter. These, these are sort of daily things that we accomplish. Uh, I can think of one case though in particular is that I saw a young man uh, who had had uh, Crohn's disease. And when he came to see me, he was uh, about 14 or 15 years old. And he had, he weighed about uh, 68 pounds. And he'd gone through a conventional therapy that was unsuccessful for his Crohn's disease. And he'd even been to an integrative practitioner. And it, it just wasn't working. And literally, he was dying. And when he walked in, I mean, he barely walked in under his own power. 
Uh, it was extremely weak and debilitating. And through a combination of diet, intravenous treatments, hormones, uh, we turned him around. He's now, uh, you know, 140 pounds because he had some delay in, in his growth and stature. So he's only about, you know, five foot three. Uh, but he's married. Uh, he's, you know, a super successful professional. And, and we've completely turned life around for him. Now, it took a, about two or three years of intensive work with him. But it, he, he sort of sticks out in my professional career as someone who uh, literally we've saved his life and transformed his life in a very, very positive way. So that, that was very gratifying. And it took, it took some ingenuity. I had to do some things that uh, kind of go out of the box a little bit in terms of things that I was used to doing uh, to try and turn him around. But ultimately, all's well that ends well. Well, I, I, I love these uh, tricky cases that, um, you know, uh, doctors like you have to deal with and that you actually take the time to try to figure out the underlying cause and and um, get them to recover fully. I think if they could have visited whether 10, 20, 50 doctors under their health insurance, they would have got a, the same diagnosis pretty much and the same treatment plan and the same, you know, there's not much more we can do for you, uh, sad, sad response. So um, I, I just think also like, I mean, the, these cases are as amazing as they are. The majority of people in the United States today are dealing with things like obesity, uh, heart disease, cancer, uh, autoimmune conditions of every kind, and they're growing exponentially together with the expense of what the healthcare system is. So I think the only way that can be fixed on the mass scale is that every human being who actually wants to stay well and wants to be wealthy in their uh, lifespan and longevity, uh, they have to have somebody like uh, Brittany, like Dr. Roberts, uh, working together with them, maybe in the background, on a regular continuous basis, to provide them with information from doctors like yourself so that we can optimize them and, and uh, get them to circumvent all these chronic illnesses. I don't know how the medical system is going to feel about this kind of thing, but we're going to give it a big uh, shot. We're going to give it a shot. Uh, Miriam, uh, Dr. Z, has a question. Could you share the clinical studies that back up the use of many of the cellular nutrients? Are those able to show longer lifespan less frailty, better quality of life, Dr. Hoffman. Uh, you know, and, and I got to admit that, that some of this, this area of uh, life extension or the use of senolytics is a controversial area. And I think that there, there's some doubt as to whether these things really work. So even metformin, for example, uh, at my medical school where I, study medicine, uh, there's a doctor named Jacques Barzelay, who originally is from Israel, but they recruited him to Einstein. He's an anti-aging expert. And his theory is that by giving metformin, uh, to, even to non-diabetics, it's a diabetes medication, that it, it can extend life. It, it does so in experimental animals. I mean, it might do so in flies or it might do so in mice. Then the question is, does it do so in humans? You can't always extrapolate from animal experiments. And he's undertaking a big study up in the Bronx, uh, looking at um, older individuals. Uh, they're getting metformin, and the results of that will be out in a couple of years. So even something. And by the way, there are, there are probably 
uh, hundreds of thousands of people who are taking metformin as an anti-aging strategy. I'm sure some of the uh, you know wonky people in Silicon Valley are you know in addition to doing cold immersion and you know intermittent fasting and all these kind of trendy things are, are also using metformin on spec on with the possibility that this might extend life or slow cognitive decline. Even something that is as frequently used as that is still awaiting full confirmation that it works. So I gotta say that what we're, we're sort of in, on the frontiers of science here. I don't think that the things, the tools that we're using are high risk tools. Uh, it's, it, you know, I think the analogy that uh, Alex used was a really good one, which is it's, it's like having a great financial advisor. You know, you don't know what the outcome of your, of the stock market and the bond market is going to be, but you want an expert advisor who is kind of following the quote science or at least the authoritative uh, evaluations to place our bets most expeditiously, you know, in terms of where we want to invest our, uh, our, our healthcare dollars uh, in terms of supplements and preventives. Uh, I don't know how you ladies feel, but personally, you know, I, I think metformin, uh, the, the, its purpose, I think, is to create autophagy. I, I don't know if that's mm -hmm. accurate, yeah. but I think fasting does the same thing, creates autophagy. So I, I prefer uh, things that kind of challenge and stress the body, fitness, exercise, uh, fasting, cold immersion therapy, uh, intense workouts, that kind of stuff. Because even like um, for a long time, they were saying a baby aspirin to thin the blood is good for you. Uh, but then they say, you know, aspirin causes uh, uh, the, the stomach to bleed. So um, I don't know if I trust these medications, even the safest ones tend to have some adverse effects to them. So personally, that's what I prefer. Ladies, what about, what about you? I think there's a lot of patients out there that are looking for some of these different things that, you know, including supplements, um, but like metformin, I feel like there's a lot of people reaching out for those because they are, they're well-known drugs. They're pretty safe. They're very low cost. And they, like Dr. Hoffman said, they think, you know, if this can improve these symptoms or help with longevity, like they're willing to try all those because they have some efficacy behind these medications um, along with their supplements. So I feel like they're very popular um, and very personalized. Okay, like the Roberts. I mean, I tend to be a proponent of stressing the body as well. I, I think the most important component is that we're critically thinking about why we're doing what we're doing. You know, I think in, in the field of functional medicine, that's the whole point is like, well, how does the body work? What's the cause? And how can we intelligently use these things to optimize individuals' functions? So depending on their body, I love that we have genetic testing now. I love that we can work a little bit more individually with each person's body. But I think if we can just intelligently look at, okay, how does this person's body work? And does this do the job we want to do that we may be able to optimize their system for longevity for longer? Um, I do just in my own biases and I'm aware of these biases, I tend to steer more towards what we might call natural sub supplements and constituents over 
pharmaceuticals that tend to concentrate constituents because I do tend to think they have more side effects. Um, you know, when Dr. Hoffman was talking about the metformin, berberine popped into my head. I don't know if it does autophagy in the same way, but it certainly does deal with candida and glucose optimization. So that was like my first instinct there, but I haven't dove, dove into the studies as well for, for autophagy uh, uh, related to metformin. But um, yeah, I guess that's, that's more along my lines of thinking, but I think it's all very interesting. Well, I definitely think it's like a whole new direction of what all of this remarkable uh, technology, science, genetics, testing, you know, all these functional medicine doctors that we uh, happen to know. Like if we could just refocus all of this brilliance and uh, resources into human optimization rather than waiting for somebody. Like, you know, the way our whole healthcare system is structured is, you know, you have somebody who develops symptoms, they take their health insurance card, and they go see a doctor and the doctor generally prescribes medication to address the symptoms. If they happen to figure out that they should go to a functional medicine doctor and pay out of pocket, uh, then that functional medicine doctor will try to do a similar thing, but through supplements and, and uh, you know, uh, IVs and, and things like that. But, you know, truly, if we're going to accomplish longevity and optimal function in our later years, I think that it has to be you know, like you start investing when you're 20. I mean, that's the goal. You invest the penny and then it doubles and then it doubles again. And, you know, geometric compounding kicks in. I think it's similar with our health spend, but nobody talks about that. It's not a profitable message to put out to the public that, you know, you should stay healthy and well. Clearly, it's much more profitable that you don't. And uh, the powers that be are uh, adamant that, you know, we become obese, sick, and dependent on the $4.3 trillion dollar disease management system. So um, hopefully uh, the work we do moving forward will, will at least impact that on, for some people, let's say. I'm, I'm curious too, if you don't mind me jumping in again. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I know Dr. Hoffman, you have a podcast that you do on intelligent medicine, and it sounds like you also delve into some of the issues with the healthcare system and the system that we have. And you've probably spoken to a lot of really interesting people about it as well. I would wanted to know your experience and opinion on if there are, you know, what do you think the, the most problematic issues in our society are in terms of healthcare? Or if there was one of the biggest problems, what would you say it would be if we were to change it collectively? Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's such an important question. It's a very complex question. I think what we're unfortunately seeing is in spite of our, you know, idealistic talk about, you know, preventive medicine is that, you know, we're sort of devolving into uh, a society of the haves and the have-nots not just economically and not just educationally, but also from a health standpoint. So we have a significant proportion of the population who are our clients and people interested in our work uh, who espouse natural methods of healing and try to eat carefully. You know, they go for organic uh, foods and uh, they exercise and they're very conscientious. And then there are other people who are just flat out uh, without any health literacy uh, but also are leading their lives completely uh, hedonistically. They don't have, you know, part of their value system is not a value system which is designed to uh, preserve wellness. And uh, unfortunately, they then become the wards of a medical system that keeps coming up with better ways to 
put you on statins to stave off heart disease and now more powerful drugs to stave off heart disease. And now there are weight loss drugs. I mean, it used to be gastric bypass. Uh, and then there are now Alzheimer's drugs and so on and so on and so on. And of course, cancer, I can't claim is you know, simply uh, a merit system because I think uh, virtuous people who are unhealthy uh, lifestyle programs can tragically develop cancer, but we can reduce the incidence. So I, I think the, the biggest problem is to transform our society so that people uh, have more health literacy, uh, but also are motivated uh, to preserve. Uh, fortunately, we have incentives that unfortunately underwrite illness. And, and I'm not saying that people who are ill should be turned away or, or that they should uh, have faced financial catastrophe when they have uh, a need for bypass surgery. But this is, this is the dilemma that I think is going to haunt just not just America, but Western society. Uh, you know, we're seeing the National Health Service in, in uh, the UK, which is in crisis because the, the drugs and the treatments are becoming ever more sophisticated, ever more expensive. And they simply can't uh, bear the burden of the costs uh, and the unwittingly administration to recruit enough doctors and health professionals to take care of the sick populace. I think in Canada, they have a similar situation. You know, as long as I've been doing yeah. this, I've interviewed a bunch of doctors from Canada. Uh, I found it peculiar because anybody, anybody you talk to there, for the most part, everybody's very happy with the system. But they're only happy with the system if they don't need it. And then when they do <laughs> Then, you know, to get an MRI, you have to wait either for six months, a year, or two years, or go to the uh, veterinarian who you pay cash, and they can do it for you for free. You just have to squeeze your head where the cat usually goes. So um, I, I think that, you know, anytime you uh, create these systems, which everybody loves, everybody wants something for nothing. They want free health care. They want the government to pay for it. But I think as a, the grown people who understand it, there, there, there's no free lunch in this world. And so for a long time, they've been promoting this uh, uh, you know, socialized healthcare system in Canada. But now all of a sudden, they're running out of people's money, other people's money as it happens. And now they're instituting, um, you know, um, Dr. Kevorkian type of uh, uh, escape from being a burden on society. So they're, they're offering, they're offering, I think that's the third largest killer now in Canada. Uh, where the the system actually, uh, what do you call that? Um, helps people euthanasia. Die. Euthanasia. Thank you. They they euthanize uh, people. You know, you you uh, you've been in the hospital for six months. You're not moving. You become a, an affordable expense, uh, sir. You know, you're a burden on the hospital. Do you really want to be a burden on your family? You're causing global warming. You know, let's just um, uh, inject you with something and uh, let you go to the other places much better. So it's like, I mean, there's always a price to pay when 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 you get something for nothing. Is is my experience in life? <laughs> yeah, that I think that's well said. Uh, you know, let me just share an anecdote with you. Uh, is that um, uh, many years ago, a, a, a colleague of mine and I were attending an integrative medicine conference, and we were we were sitting at lunch. We you know we we sat together and we we're sitting at, uh, across from one another, and uh, another doctor came by and said, may I join you? And we said, fine. We asked him, you know, what, you know, about 
what type of specialty he had. He said, I'm a gastroenterologist. He said, this is my first time at an integrative medicine conference. I said, great, you know, uh, you know, this is really exciting that you're interested in this. He says, yeah, I thought I'd check it out. And he says, well, what, tell us about your practices. So we started telling him about, you know, the nature of our practices. And his, his mouth dropped and he said, do you mean to tell me that you actually treat patients who have absolutely nothing wrong with them? <laughs> and my friend and I looked at each other. We kind of laughed and we said, yeah, but they call medicine. <laughs> you know? So he kind of missed the entire point. But I guess, uh, you know, maybe the conference had an impact on him ultimately. I have met some uh, integrative um, gastroenterologists, so probably it's, uh, it's good news. All right. Well, in the uh, few minutes that we have left here, I wanted to um, just ask uh, Brittany, Dr. Roberts, to kind of uh, give your uh, last question or final thoughts, whatever, whatever you like. Um, I was just curious. I was reading, I haven't read your whole book yet, The Alternative Cures That, um, that Really Work, but I was on a section where it was talking about you know, skin and acne. And I was reading through, you know, that you have used um, acupuncture for acne, which is new to me. That was um, an interesting aspect. Have you ever seen like benefits with that with other skin things like psoriasis that Alex has talked about or other chronic skin issues other than acne? Uh I think that's one of the less less uh, hard-hitting modalities for skin problems. Uh, I included that because I was kind of making an encyclopedic list of possibilities. Yeah. I think there's evidence that acupuncture can possibly tweak the immune system, move it in the right direction. In traditional Chinese medicine, skin problems may be a sign of liver heat inappropriately uh, discharging into the skin. But okay. in terms of skin problems, I'm really thinking that it's about diet and maybe the microbiome and maybe mm -hmm. also about having essential fatty acids and anti-inflammatory nutrients. And I think that'll cover a lot of ground in terms of getting people with skin problems better. Okay. Thank you. Dr. Roberts. Um, I mean, the thing, the other thing that struck me that when I, when I looked at some of the things you talked about in your podcast was also looking at like the experiencing the untruths in the media and things like that uh, and the educational system. And I mean, I know that, you know, big pharma and some of the other systems have had a lot of power in educating, you know, pharmaceutical companies educate our doctors and educate our public in a lot of ways. And I know you're doing the podcast, so I'm assuming you must get, um, you know, a lot of traction in re-educating people in that way. Have you found other ways that we can really help to re-educate society and what do you find might be the most effective things? Well, yeah, you know, thank you for that question because uh, I, I, my activism is about treating patients one-on-one, -on -one, which has always been my orientation, but it, it's, it's about educating. So there's, you know, the, the podcast and there's writing through our, our newsletter and through other communications and books. Uh, but also I, a couple of organizations, one that I recommend highly to uh, nutritionally oriented professionals is the American Nutrition Association. Uh, there I'm chair of something called the Board for Certification of Nutritional Specialists, where you can get a CNS credential, which is a great credential for validating your nutrition knowledge. And the ANA sponsors conferences, which, you know, look at 
applied nutrition, medical nutrition. And so I think that's important. On the political side, I'm also president of the of Alliance for Natural Health or the ANH. And they're about activism. Their uh, latest campaign is about PFAS compounds, the forever compounds that are now we're finding our way into our water or food or, you know, it's, just, it's a devastating effect of, you know, animals are uh, loaded with PFAS compounds, chemicals that don't degrade very easily. They're gender benders. They can cause cancer. We really need to ban them. Europe is ahead of us. So that's one of our campaigns. We also want to safeguard access to supplements. That's an important campaign, our Save Our Supplements campaign. So Alliance for Natural Health, it's anh-usa.org. And I, I recommend that you know health practitioners get involved with them and uh, that the public support it because that's really uh, where we can uh, talk to our legislators in Washington and our states about uh, just clearing the pathways for natural medicine where there's so much antagonism from big medicine, big pharma, uh, you know, big chemical that we have to really push back on a political level. Awesome. Thank you, uh, thank, thank you Dr. Hoffman. And um, any final thoughts, any final uh, ideas you'd like to leave us with? Uh, you did talk about the, the microbiome. And I think the microbiome is very important. Uh, there's thought that this thing called acromanzia is a good thing, Then, but the question is, can you buy supplements of acromanzia? Do they work? Uh, so it's, it, again, we, we're beginning to understand the microbiome, but I think a simple pitch that there's uh, a supplement that guarantees longevity that will replenish the good bacteria I think it may be more about diet and lifestyle and other factors rather than taking something that comes out of a bottle. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. But uh, what I would say is that uh, it's just not something that's really studied. Like the study and the money and all the resources are being put in. Once your biome becomes depleted, you develop a leaky gut, you develop some symptomatology because of that. So all of the money is going into that. But if we can actually figure out uh, what kind of a digestion, what kind of a, a biome does the, the, the someone has who is 105? And you maybe not are going to get to 105, but, you know, let's replicate something that's worked for somebody else. Going back to that original analogy of finances, there are certain systems and structures and concepts that have worked for other people. And if they work for other people, maybe they can work for us as well. So that's that's all I'm thinking, that if we focus our, more of our attention there, that we can uh, we can have results that are I, I, I think positive, at least that's what I think. Hmm. Oh, I'm all for that. <laughs> well, on that note, I uh, wanted to thank you so much, Dr. Halpin, uh, not only for being here with us, but all your great work. I think you're a true pioneer in uh, this um, revolution in how healthcare is done and the potential of the human being to be healthy, well, and avoid a lot of these chronic conditions that uh, we're told are inevitable and incurable. Uh, Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for joining us here. Um, Brittany, thank you very much for all you do and for being here. And uh, all our guests, thank you very much. We wish you great health, a long life, and uh, we're so happy to be doing that with you. Thank you so much, everybody. Feel good. God bless. Good night. Thank Thanks you. For your work, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. Thank you, Alex. Bye.
You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoppinStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoppinStore.com. DearHoppinStore.com.